We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Morning again. So good to see you guys. And I, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, we take our messages here and we, uh, we send our messages over to Jefferson County Jail. And so um, we, we have a lot of uh, men and women who are impacted by this ministry and are really transformed by what God is doing through, through us. And so um, if you can, can we just greet those at Jefferson County Jail? We love you. Very grateful for you. And it's just so, it's so cool to see what God does and, and the lives that his word impacts. And we're, we're continuing this series on the life of Paul, and it's been a great journey. And I've been deeply challenged, and I pray you will be challenged as well, particularly today. As I've leaned into the life of Paul, I've, I, I've, I've been encountering some things about his life that, that I, I'd have to say are, 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 are poking some areas in my life, challenging me on how I see the gospel, how I see God's kingdom. And today we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. And I've preached from this message, or excuse me, from this passage before, but I've never preached it in this way. And this is, this is a, a passage that I love. It's, it's fun. And there's a statement in here that, that I've always asked God, God, may this be true of my life. And so the apostle Paul is on his second missionary journey. He left after the resurrection of Jesus. He encountered Jesus along the road, and, and Jesus spoke to him. Jesus himself discipled Paul for three years. We don't have the details of it. I wish we had a book about what Jesus said to Paul. That the resurrected Christ discipled Jesus. That's why he could be an apostle, because he saw Jesus. He was with Jesus. And so the ministry of Paul is, is powerful. And as he goes out and as he preaches and as he serves, he does some amazing stuff. And so he is heading to the nations that have not heard about Jesus. And he's preaching this gospel and he picks up some friends and Silas and Timothy and his missionary team is going to kick down the gates of hell and, and, and liberate those who are enslaved to sin. And so we see this, this heart of Paul. And so I'm going to read this passage today and then we'll get into the, the, my thoughts on this and what I believe God is saying to us. So Paul went into a... Um, it, into a synagogue. It was custom when, he's, when he would arrive in cities, he would first go to the Jewish synagogues and he would preach about how Jesus is the Messiah. But he also preached in other areas. And so Paul went into the synagogue, verse two, it was custom and on, um, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ or is the Messiah. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of, of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, taking some wicked men of, of the rabble. They formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. Isn't that great? That's a great name. Um, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, now listen, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, Jesus. Now, as I have looked and studied the life of Paul, I've done it many times throughout my, my life and walk with Jesus. I haven't seen or heard the challenge from God in the manner in which I'm getting it this time. When you examine the life of the apostle Paul, when you see the preaching of the gospel in different cities, there's a pattern. There's a pattern that that takes place, that when he preaches, there's something about the substance of his message and his preaching that we see in all these different cities. 
So Paul, yes, he would go into the synagogues and he would preach and, and he would preach the gospel of Jesus. But I, I have to be honest with you. As you look at the life of Paul, I keep hearing stories like this. I, see, I keep reading stories that he preached and, they, and things were flipped upside down. Things were transformed. Societies began to change. Lives began to change. And the kingdom of God smashed into the city he was in and things started to happen. So I see that. And this verse specifically says that these men who have turned the world upside down have come here. And this is the question that I ask for us today Question that I ask for myself. Where is that gospel today? Where is that gospel? Where is the gospel that transforms hearts, societies, people, and lives? Where is that gospel? Listen, I've heard a lot of great preachers. I've heard a lot of great gospel preachers. I've heard, I've seen them. I've, I've seen them preached on the street corners and the, and the stadiums. I even, I even went and preached at a Speaker's Corner in London. It's, a, it's an old place where, where people would go and, and preach and, and they would debate. And I just thought, hey, this is fun. So we, we got a ladder with Cheryl and I were there years ago. I literally carried a ladder into the park, opened it up. It was an A-frame, climbed up on top, started preaching. And there was a guy over here, was a Muslim, he was preaching. There was a weirdo that had a sign that said Christian atheist. There was another guy who was preaching, I, who, I don't know what, about crystals and new age. And, and that's what people do on Sunday afternoons. And I thought, this sounds like a lot of fun. So I did it. And I preached the gospel and I, and I shared and I was passionate. I didn't see this happen. Why? I don't know if you've ever asked these questions, like what, where is this gospel? Where is this kingdom that transforms society? I mean, we, we had the gospel preached here in, in America when, back when you only had like four or five channels and you had to flip the TV with the dial. Does anyone remember that? Okay, all right, just want to make sure. Uh, where... Billy Graham would be on one of those channels. He preached the gospel. It'd go into homes and people's lives and millions of people heard it. Where's that gospel? Did it transform? Did it flip society? What? Where is that gospel? This one that we just read. I, I would say this, this statement about turning the world upside down, I, I don't remember ever hearing that phrase being described about my gospel preaching or Billy Graham's. Where's this gospel? And so when you lean into the life of the Apostle Paul and the disciples, you can describe the gospel that they were preaching, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed, transforming hearts, lives, and the world around them. It was described as they turned the world upside down. And it wasn't actually them, it was the message they were preaching. I mean, I, I've thought about this a lot, and uh, part of this is, okay, may, maybe, so he, here's some of the reasons why, maybe, why we don't see the gospel flipping the world upside down. Maybe the world doesn't need to be turned upside down anymore. Well, we would all go, ah, no, I disagree with you. Yeah, me too. I mean, if we look around our world, if we look around our, our society, our families, we look around our city, when you look around our, our state, when we look around our nation, when we look, look at our, our neighbor, what is needed is not a slight course correction. 
We need our world turned upside down. By the kingdom of God. We need God's kingdom to shake all of humanity to its core. Including us, including the church. So when I look at the ministry of Paul, and again, the ministry of these disciples, they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. It brought forth transformation. Not just to the individual. It brought forth transformation to all of society. So if that's the fruit of the gospel, that's the example we have in scriptures, that it flips worlds upside down, right? So if this is what happens when you preach the gospel, I mean, I, I'm always, I always am open to be corrected by the Lord. I'm always examining, always asking myself questions that examine my own heart, examine my own motive, examine my own purpose, examine, I, I, I do that all the time. So when I see this, I naturally question, am I preaching another kind of gospel? Am I, am I missing, are we missing something? This gospel that transforms homes and cities and lives and families and Husbands start leading and loving the way God's called them to do. Wives start partnering with, with, with other women and, and they serve the, the people together, the body together, that, that Christ is the center of the home and, and the man understands and the woman understands and they have children for the purpose of bringing glory to Christ, not just meet their need of being a parent, but they understand this is the gospel and it transforms. Where is that? Maybe the gospel is like, like iOS on our, on our iPhones that, you know, if you don't update it for so long, it just stops working. It's irrelevant. When's the last time you heard that the church of Jesus Christ being accused of turning the world upside down for the sake of the glory of Christ. In this passage, the reason they were being accused of turning the world upside down, maybe you caught it. This is why they were turning the world upside down. This is, this is what was said, that they are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. What turned the world upside down was them declaring that Caesar is not the ultimate authority. That man is not the ultimate authority. That human desire is not the ultimate authority. That government is not ultimate authority. That education is not ultimate authority. That self is not ultimate authority. That who holds all and every bit of authority on heaven and on earth, that's what Jesus said, is King Jesus. He's the ultimate authority. So what Jesus the King over all things what he says, his law, his word, supersedes what Caesar says you should bow your knee to. What culture says you should bow your knee to. No, Jesus, King Jesus says what we should bow our knee to. What they were saying is it is Jesus, not sin, that says what you're supposed to bow your knee to. And that's because that Christ is king. His word is superior to anyone else's word. So when Caesar, the Jews, the pagans, whoever, 
Well, they would say something opposite than what God says to be true about his kingdom and his ruling and his kingship over this earth. They would say, excuse me, that's actually not true because God's word says this. At the time, Caesar was declared as God. Or even in the, in the other, um, outside of Rome, it was really hu humans were God. Humanity was God. Humanity did what they pleased. Humanity followed their own desires. Humanity lived from their own law, which was sinful and broken. But at this time, Caesar was declared God. So the apostle Paul and the other apostles, when they would, when they would hear someone speak something opposite than what God would say, when they said, when someone would say, this is the truth, because Caesar said, or Caesar, okay, you think you're God? Well, listen, you're, it's each to his own. When something was spoken that was a lie and contradicts the truth of God's word and his, and his law for humanity from the very beginning of time, they would say, that's actually not true. They didn't say, well, listen, that's okay. You can believe what you want. They didn't say, hey, that's all right. Your truth, my truth. They didn't say each, each person is entitled to their own truth. And I think sometimes we can forget that actually God has already determined what truth is. God has already determined what the purpose of husband and wife, male and female, determined the purpose of, of, of whether it's government or self, or he's already determined why they exist and how they are to function and exist. It's already been determined. So when someone would speak and say something that's contrary to the truth of what God had, has already determined in the kingdom of God, where Jesus reigns and has all authority, they would speak up. They would say something. They were filled with the reality that Jesus Christ is king and his word is not a truth, it is the truth for all of humanity. So they, they would, when confronted with a lie, meaning anything that is contrary to God's truth, they spoke the truth of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ as king. And it's by that, as you, as you lean into this and you actually look at it and see it for what it is, it's by that that the world around them began to be uprooted and unsettled. They were confronting the lies of the kingdom of darkness with the smashing truth of the kingdom of Christ. They rolled into pagan cities, never heard the gospel. They rolled into, they weren't in the middle of Jerusalem. They were in the middle of pagans and they preached this truth. It's very interesting when you, when you lean into the, the Roman times and days, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but inscribed on the coins of Rome was this statement, Tiberius Caesar, worshipful son of God, Augustus. Caesar Augustus was seen as God. Now, just because they say God, you, you, you could remove that statement. They acted like he was God. They looked to Rome to meet their needs. Also a common statement at this time about Caesar Augustus. Um, many people aren't aware of this. And I've, I, as I've leaned into this, I, this is so fascinating to me. This is an actual statement that was really spoken in Rome, and this was it. Salvation is to be found in none other than Augustus. And there is no other name given to men by which man can be saved. That's interesting. 
you're familiar with the Bible, you're like, wait, that, I think Peter said something like that. Because when Peter was sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel, this was a part of his clarification about who's actually real, really king. The kingdom of Jesus, as Peter preached it and proclaimed it, he said, yeah, yeah, I'm preaching about Jesus. And then we have an Acts 4.12, Peter says this, hey, let me just tell you something about Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, Peter, that's not very politically correct. Peter, this, you're seen as, as a, you're, you're defying Caesar. And he's like, yeah, no, but Caesar's lying. The truth of God is this, I'm going to speak that. He was debunking, he was, he was dismantling the lies of Rome. And he was saying, let me just tell you, that's not true, but this is true about Jesus because it's his kingdom. He has all authority. Caesar is not, though he is, a, he, is a, he is a king, he is not the king, Jesus is. And yes, this is speaking to the truth that Jesus came to this earth as a man. Yes, that's part of the gospel. He represented all of humanity. He lived a perfect life for you and I. Yes, absolutely. He took upon himself the sin and rebellion of you and I. Yes, he did. He nailed that to the cross. He died a horrific death that we deserved. He rose from the dead so that all who put their trust and faith in him for the remission of their sins can be saved. Yes, that is part, that is the gospel, that's part of the gospel, but the gospel, according to the apostles, went further than that. It brought forth transformation, not just in individuals, but the whole purpose was understanding Jesus owns it all. And our job now as followers of Jesus are to bring the kingdom reality and truth into every area of our lives and submit ourselves under King Jesus and apply his word into every situation. And that is how we transform the world and flip it upside down. That's what they did. That's how they did it. It's, it's really interesting even, um, you know, for me, I, I, sometimes I, I get feedback about uh, my, my messages sometimes, and I've, I've been accused of being political. Well, all of you who know, know me, I've never, I, I, um, I've, I've never actually, I, listen, I forgot to tell you guys to vote last year. It's true. It was on my notes. I didn't even say it. But the reason why I am told that I'm political is because I, I, I share the scriptures about gender, um, life beginning in the womb. That, listen, that isn't... So, so hear, me, hear me today. I, that's not political. That's Bible. So, so just, just because, just because it's, it's in the political realm and, and the enemy's trying to, to, to redefine all of that, I, that is, I, it's not my God. I serve Jesus and his word says this, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So, so I, or even, even regarding marriage between one man and one woman, homosexuality, sexuality as a whole, all, all of that, not, just hear, hear my heart for a second. All of that is to be defined by the scriptures, not by man. All, all of it. So, so you, you can, people can lean that way and say, I'm doing this for, for, for whatever. Well, I, I do, I, I just speak what the Bible says. And if it happens to, to, to poke people, then I, I don't, take it up with King Jesus. It's his word. But I, I love them and I love you and I, I love it because God, God loves them and I love them. And, 
The best way I know how to serve my neighbor is to share the truth of God's Word. It's the best way. So, the apostles and the apostle Paul preached this reality that the Word of God and the dominion of Christ should rule and reign in all areas. And the followers of Jesus were to stand for that and to speak that, not out of being right. This is not about right. This is not about being powerful. This is about bringing glory to Christ through what His Word says and applying that to our lives and then living that out as ambassadors of the kingdom, of which Paul calls us an ambassador of Christ. And it's important. And it's a, this, this, is, this is so, this, we want our families transformed. I want husbands to lead well and wives to flourish and children to, to bring forth the glory of Christ through their life wherever they go. I want us as a church to bring glory to Christ as he is our king. The apostle Paul, when he preached the gospel, it was all about bringing glory and honor to Christ and his word and his law and redefining who's really in charge. That's what he did. And so Paul and his missionary team, Peter and um, Silas and Timothy, all, all of the apostles, coupled the gospel of Jesus Christ is king, the ultimate authority, the Lord and ruler. He's the king of heaven and on earth, all authority over all things. They coupled the love of God and the love for all of humanity, and the one who came to give his life so that we could live, that we could leave slavery and come into freedom. And they also clarified, it's not government defines truth, education, it's not culture, it's Christ our King. He defines truth. And so there is this, this call of what they preached, submit yourself to Jesus to his word. And the apostle Paul's gospel, yes, it was about salvation, absolutely. But it was declaring who is the rightful ruler, who's the rightful owner of all things. Who is it that we are to submit to? And it's Jesus Christ who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is not a lie. That is not mean, that's not hate speech, that's the truth and the plan of mankind by God is to be submitted under Christ and be free, be free, be free where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and to be free under His rule and His reign, align yourself to His Word, and you will live a life you never dreamt. The world says, come, I'll show you freedom and they lead you to death. Jesus says, come and die and I'll lead you to freedom. That's what he says. So this gospel turned the world upside down. And invited people to a new life that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Their gospel that they preach exposed the counterfeit authority over all things, and it revealed that there was one true king, Jesus. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he says this, for by him, in Colossians 1, 16, for by him, meaning Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him, Jesus, all things hold together. This was the gospel they preached. This gospel that turned the world upside down was not about inviting someone to become a part of a, of a nice Christian community or about having shotgun weddings for Jesus. You better give your life to Jesus. No, this was not. 
It was about the courageous declaration that Jesus is already king over all things. And because of that and his love for you, you should make him Lord of your life. And now, once you do live that life to the fullest, and living that life, understanding that, you can live a life that says no to the anti-Christian Christ revolution of rebellion against God, and you can live from and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ over all of your life, and you can do it for the glory of God. That's what the gospel they were preaching. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Their gospel was not, and to the church as well, like, hey, church, hey, people, listen, you're not king. Jesus is king. Hey, listen, your home is under the dominion of Jesus. So align your home according to the word. Hey, wherever you go, bring forth the kingdom through applying his word to every situation. Understand that the kingdom is not a geographical location. It is, Jesus says, it is within you. You and you and you and you. And we are to bring the kingdom, align our lives to the kingdom. And the gospel that Paul preached and lived was always about the glory of Jesus. Paul, Paul made the hero of the Bible Jesus. Paul made Jesus the hero of every message. The King Jesus. He taught about the nature of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and ultimately his ultimate reign and authority over all things on heaven and on earth. And as we, we've, we've discussed already through this, through this series, the hallmark of Paul's life, yes, it was the gospel of grace. Yes, it was suffering. It was also leading and being led of the Holy Spirit. And we learned from all of that. But also another hallmark of his life was he was incredibly bold and courageous with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Paul was thinking back on his ministry, when he was in, he wrote this in a, in a letter to the Thessalonians, and so when he was in Thessalonica, I'm not gonna say that twice, but when he was there, this is what he writes. Sorry, when he was writing them thinking back, he said, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict, so the preaching of the gospel and the understanding of the gospel every time created conflict. When they clarified what the truth of God's word was about a particular situation, about Caesar, about whatever is going on, it brought forth conflict. Now, they weren't going after conflict. They were just going to bring glory to Christ. They didn't do it out of the flesh. They did it from the spirit. They were they were. They were they were bold, they were courageous, but they were also had the fruit of the Spirit. There was a, a love and there was a joy and there was a peace, but there was an urgency. And so he goes on, for, for our appeal does not spring from error, now listen, or impurity or any attempt to deceive. So when, when, you, when you declare the truth of God, you are, the conflict that usually comes is, oh, you're in error, you're doing this for selfish gain, or you're, you're deceiving people. That's not, that's not my Jesus. You're, you're, and many times it's by other believers, but as it goes on, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. As I was reading this passage about turning the world upside down, I asked this question. I wonder how many believers today would side with those saying or criticizing Paul and Silas. If Paul and Silas were here today and they were preaching like they were preaching, I wonder how many believers would actually say, oh, you know, I, no, that's not, they don't represent Jesus. Jesus. 
I wonder how many people, believers today would say, they don't know Jesus. That's not, that's not my Jesus. They don't represent Jesus. I wonder how many people would disassociate themselves with Paul and Silas today. I'd say a lot. Because in their minds, they have believed that the gospel of Jesus Christ only speaks truth when invited to speak it. And I, I really was, it was, I was grieved as I was writing this sermon. And I, I even started asking the question about our church. How many of us would leave this church if Arvada said that about me or said that about us or said that about our other pastors or said that about our church? I wonder how many would be embarrassed to associate themselves with our church if this is what we were known for. There's some of us who are very uncomfortable right now because we're uncomfortable with what has been said already. And you have to ask yourself the question, why? Why why does the truth of God's word make people who are submitted to Christ, why would that make them uncomfortable? And as I was writing this, I just felt the Holy Spirit just speak to me and I'll share with you what, what I wrote, and I believe he said, he said, my gospel, properly proclaimed, never creates chaos or confusion. And those who don't know me will see the world being turned upside down. But those who do know me will see that the world is being turned right side up. The church proclaiming this gospel, first century, they were eaten by lions. But it's what transformed the world. And I know people go, Jason, you you can't be arrogant and we got to be sensitive. And yeah, of course, of course we do. We're not, we're not, we should not be jerks. Some Christians are jerks, but we shouldn't be. We should deeply care, deeply love, deeply share the love of Christ, deeply serve serve people around us, deeply go the extra mile, deeply help people when they're in need. We should do all of that, yes. But we also should speak the truth. We also should not be ashamed in the name of Jesus and say, you know, When Jesus rose from the dead, he became king over heaven and earth. And so invite them to be a part of that kingdom. Yes, that's what we should do. But we should also carry that truth into every area of our lives. Why was it that this outliers of the Christian faith, originally called the way within the book of Acts, made their way somehow, God made their way for them to be the center of society, where they defined what the laws were according to the scriptures. They defined, they're the ones that there was the canonization of scripture. And was that just a fluke? And then God did all that, then he's like, okay, never mind. Or did they understand the gospel in a way that we are missing today? Did they understand that since Jesus rules, they want to submit to him for the glory of Christ and bring his law and his word into every situation that God has placed them in? That's the heart of the gospel. And we can be bold, but we can be arrogant. But Jonathan Edwards, the great great preacher of, of long ago, said this about boldness. He says, there is a false boldness for Christ that only comes from pride. 
A man may rationally expose himself to the world's dislike and even deliberately provoke its displeasure and yet do it out of pride. True boldness for Christ transcends all. It is indifferent to the displeasure of either friends or foes. Boldness enables Christians to forsake all others rather than Christ and to prefer to offend all rather than offend him. There is a purity of boldness. And this is, a, this is an invitation to the church, to us. We can either sit back and get some popcorn and watch the world burn and watch things happen in education for our children or for our neighbor or for whatever. Just sit back, well, it's, you know, they're just lost people. Or we can say, hang on, because I love you, because I love my neighbor, because I love children, because I love my, my city, I won't give the city up to the works of darkness. And I'm not doing this for power. I'm, not do, I'm just, I'm being the righteousness of Christ. I'm bringing glory to his kingdom in this world. Wherever I go, the kingdom is within me. So I'm going to lean in. I'm going to trust God to give me favor. I'm going to bring forth the fruit of his kingdom Listen, friends, if the only expression of God's kingdom is in the church, then we have just surrendered society to chaos. If we love our neighbor, we will lead with the gospel of Jesus in every area of our lives. Why is it that there is there's such a a resistance from, and especially, as you really saw it in 2020, is this resistance of, oh, no, you can't speak about relevant things within the city in which God has called you to be. And Jeremiah, they're instructed to seek the prosperity of the city. Well, how do you have prosperity without the Word of God being applied to all areas of our lives? How do you, you don't. This isn't about just, just some, let's just wish people are, are blessed. No, how do people become set free from addiction? How do people become set free from, from the demonic realm? How, Jesus said he came to destroy the works of darkness. How, how do, let's, let's, let's actually understand the gospel of Jesus is about transforming not just lives, but society. And, and it's not about, it's, it's loving your neighbor well, even when they think you're not loving them. Because what's best for them is the word of God. What's best for them is that they give their life to Jesus. We are ambassadors of Jesus. And Paul understood this. And may God use us and, one, break off these lies that we've believed that somehow the expression of God's kingdom can only happen on Sunday mornings. If Jesus owns it all, and he said he did, if he has all authority, and he says he does, what does it look like to carry out the work of the gospel in totality in every area of our lives? What does it look like to stand for the innocent? What does it look like for speak speak up for those who are hurting and broken? What does it mean for the Word of God to be applied to justice? What does it mean? How, how, how does all this work? Well, what I do know is this, the purpose for humanity is to be submitted to Christ and for His laws to actually serve people because He loves them, because He loves you. And who is it that is to bring forth His truth into these situations? It's us. He's not going to come back and say, okay, I'll take care of this. It's us. And so God is inviting us to be a part of not surrendering this city to the works of darkness, not surrendering Denver to the works of darkness, not surrendering our state to the works of darkness, to actually stand as actual stewards for what already belongs to Jesus to align our families, to align our lives first in submission to Christ 
and under his word, to align our families to mission to Christ under his word, to align everything that we're a part of to submission to Christ and under his word. You are an ambassador. You are not a victim. You are not, yes, you're in the world and you're not of it, but you are not an outlier. You are the change agent to bring the glory of Christ into every situation. And so may we, may we hear this today and challenge our own selves first to submit self, then to apply God's Word in every area of our life. May God use us to set His world right, not for our glory, not for His glory, not for control, not for power, but for the glory of King Jesus to bring him honor, to bring him praise, and for us to share the love of Jesus, invite people to the lordship of Jesus, and then also to lead from that lordship in every area. That's how we flip this world upside down. Or we can, just, just as a reminder, what, what we're doing isn't working. not working. I want this kind of gospel. Amen? And the life of Paul shares that to us. I want to pray today. And then in just a moment, I'm just going to have all the mothers stand and we're going to bless you today. But if we can, just in this moment, let's just commit ourselves fresh and new to the Lord today. Lord, I confess and I admit that I have uh, lived outside of the kingship of you. I haven't applied the word in every area. I haven't seen my neighbor through your eyes. I've been seduced in areas of my life to believe and to stand for a gospel that actually isn't in your word. I have been consumed with not offending man over not offending you. And Lord, we as a church, commit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves under you. And every one of us can leave here today understanding that we've got the kingdom of God to bring. And so show us, God. And over the coming months, God, may you show us how we bring the kingdom into every area of our lives. And Lord, may we bring your Lordship and may we carry the kingdom well. And today, God, we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God a hand for his word today, amen. We want to take a moment and pray for our precious mamas today. Come on. Moms, if you'll stand. Amen. Who you are as a woman is unique, created by God. I'm sorry we live in a world that tries to steal your, unique, your uniqueness. But it won't happen in our families. We're gonna honor you as the women that you are. And we're gonna bless you today because Lordy, where would we be without you, right? Your leadership, your leadership in our lives, your faithfulness, your sacrifice, your never ending desire to serve your family, to serve your children. We say thank you to you. Thank you for your intentionality. Thank you for your faithfulness. 
Thank you for your love, and thank you for, for mothering all of us. There's some of you who maybe you don't have biological children, but you are still mothers. It's a mark on your life by God. And so we say thank you, and we want to bless you today because you sure deserve it. And you deserve to not do the dishes today at all. I know what my wife's thinking, are you going to do the dishes then? Is that? <laughs> but if we can, can we just extend your hands towards these wonderful moms? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your blessing over their lives. God, I sense today that, God, I just rebuke the voice of the enemy that has replayed things in their life that maybe they didn't do right, and that has somehow become their identity. Lord, I pray right now that you break off every voice of the enemy that has tried to belittle them, tried to make them feel not enough, insecure. Lord, today may they receive a blessing from your spirit, and may it free them from every word that was spoken over them that was a lie, words spoken by their own fathers, words spoken by their own mothers. May you walk in the freedom of Jesus today and may you hear his voice and his truth over your life. And so Lord, today we bless these moms. We pray that you would prosper them. We pray that you would heal them. We pray that you would strengthen them. And we pray that you give them courage to continue to mother when sometimes it's exhausting. And Lord, I pray today that they would be touched uniquely in each one of their lives by your loving spirit. And God, as this church, we bless our women and we bless our mothers today. In the name of Jesus, we all say, Amen and amen. Moms, a couple things. Um, we have a gift for you when you walk out of church today. And uh, you, there's special tables and we have a, a gift card to the atrium. We want you to have a little something on us. So church, let's all stand to our feet. Also, when you leave, we have a photo booth out there to get some good pictures. And, uh, and dads, listen. Just take the picture, okay? Just, just get in there and take the picture. <laughs> I'm speaking to me too. I'm like, I don't want to. I'll go take the picture, okay? All right. Um, I love you very much. God bless you. If you need prayer today, our prayer team would be honored to pray with you. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.